Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Join me today. He's the host of Mind Your Pucking Business podcast, entrepreneur, and CEO of Barbecue Cleaner, helping future entrepreneurs. It's Jeffrey Krentzman. How are you doing today, Jeffrey? Good, Alex. Thanks for having me on your program. Thank you for joining us. I'm excited to learn all about your Rise to the Challenge. First thing we like to do with all of our guests, talk about where you're from and what were you involved in growing up. Um, so I am from uh, northern New Jersey. I've lived here all my life, uh, except for the four years I went to college up in Boston. Uh, and I won't tell you the years because I'll date myself and make myself feel old. Um, and uh, I believe you said, well, the other question was, what am I, what was I involved in growing up? It came in a little bit weird on, uh, on the mic. Yes. What were you involved in growing up? So involved, I was always into sports. Um, I was never <laughs> the star athlete, uh, but I always liked sports. I still do. Uh, and I was always into a lot of volunteerism um, throughout uh, my high school days, as well as my college days up in Boston. I did a lot of volunteer work and uh, I still do. So uh, that's always been something I've been involved in. Uh, as I was growing up, that was a big part of it, volunteerism for sure. You talked about sports and not being a star athlete. What type of sports did you play? And what was a big thing you learned about yourself growing up playing in sports? Um, the, the big sport I played that I loved, I still do, I still play it now as an adult, uh, is hockey. I'm a big hockey guy. I have season tickets to uh, an NHL team in the area that we live in. Um, across the Hudson River, New York City, so that should give away what one it is. Um, but, uh, I, I was always involved in hockey. I played soccer and baseball as well, but hockey was really my love. It always was. Um, and not being the star athlete, I think you learn different lessons <laughs> for sure. Uh, and one that uh, comes to mind is really being involved in a team. It's a team sport. You're relying on everyone else and you've got to carry your own weight and have your own kind of role and responsibility. And uh, I think that's something that carries over in the real world as well that lesson because you're going to work uh and you know and whatever you your career with other people and um it's a team game and so it's a good lesson to learn it's kind of an important thing as i was growing up in sports i had that similar same situation where i was a good athlete but i'm not like the mvp of a team but you kind of looked at in like the whole business world someone could be the star of a business or the head of the company but the important factors is everyone that works with that person and the behind the scenes people, even like in a movie, everyone mm -hmm. has to do their part to be as best as they can be to prove and to show a good product. So that's a great point that you brought up that you find your role any way possible. What kind of volunteer opportunities did you take? Yep. Uh, let's see, in high school, uh, I, I, ran, I helped run a program where we took um, a disabled individuals bowling once a week. So after um, a school once a week in high school, I did that. Um, in uh, Boston, I worked uh, at an after-school center uh, a few days a week uh, in kind of the, the not-so-nice areas of Boston, I would say, where we would uh, go uh, for a couple hours after school a few times a week and homework really more play with them and give them socialization. Uh, and then uh, going after that uh, uh, educational aspect of my life, um, I volunteered at a hospital around here. Uh, funny story, <laughs> you'll appreciate this, Alex. Uh, I wanted to do something working with kids, but that wasn't available because I was a nine to five thing and I had a real job. 
So I got a job where I was really in the cafeteria. They have a wait staff and I was one of the guys that would go around and volunteer and take your order. Well, one day it turned out they were in a complete panic when I walked in and the chef had fallen out sick and they didn't have anyone to cook. So I said, look, I love to cook. Give me a shot. And so I was, uh, I was a cook in their little restaurant um, for about three or four years, uh, once a week on Tuesday afternoons. So that's what I did. Were you able to bring like stuff that you enjoyed to cooking at the hospital or was it kind of, you had to be strict on what you were able to serve? No, they had... You know what? They had a menu. So like people would actually come in from the outside and eat there. They had a menu and they had like a daily special. So I never got to bring my own stuff. That may have been a good thing, honestly. But I stuck to the script that they gave me. I feel like if I brought stuff that I cook, either someone would complain it's too spicy because I love spicy food or I'm too like gourmet style, not that kind of scene, but that's, that's a good, I mean, I, I would be like, okay, let me cook. Like, let me show you what I can do. Cause I'm on yeah. a big challenge. Yeah, bad, yep. Growing up, did you have any challenges or obstacles that you were faced with? Um, no, nothing really comes to mind. I think I had a very good childhood. Uh, I don't really have much complaints about it when I look back. And again, I won't tell you the years of my childhood and date myself. But, uh, you know, I'm fortunate. Uh, I actually grew up in the, the same town uh, and house, for that matter, that um, uh, I grew up and I live in now uh, with my wife and kids. So um, I'm kind of back. And I think if I didn't enjoy my, my childhood, I probably wouldn't have done that. It would have been weird coming back. Here. But I had a great childhood. I had a um, really good run at uh, Boston University for four years um, as well. I loved every minute of it up there. It's a great place to go to school. Um, so yeah, I look back at all of it uh, with, with very positive memories. Did you have any inspirations or someone that inspired you to pursue a certain path? Um, you know, my, my dad gave me a lot of advice in my college years um, uh, about kind of maybe the benefits of owning your own business and, and, and kind of introducing me to the world because when you're 18 or 19, um, you, you don't understand that you know you you you're going to go to college you're going to get a degree you're going to go work for someone um uh, my father did a really good job of kind of opening my eyes to the alternative i mean he certainly never pushed me in that direction but uh really it was him introducing me to that uh kind of alternative way of what mainstream people do uh that was definitely an inspiration to me uh for... did you have much experience while you're growing up on businesses that were run by individuals or were you more getting to know places that were big and had a bunch of people working for them no I didn't you know what the only real experience I had growing up I mean I had a couple internships uh, in my college years but they were all with, with big companies um, you know one of them uh, was with you know one of the largest PR firms in the world they're on Madison Avenue New York City so, you know, you're, you're walking in at 20 years old uh, to a 54-story skyscraper and the company that you're interning for owns three floors of it. So uh, it's eye-opening, but I always, I always saw growing up kind of the larger uh, company stuff. I got my first job out of college. That was also a large company. Um, I mean, that's why I ran the other way and now do my own kind of small thing and, and, and prefer that. <laughs> So what was that dream job that you were wanting? 
was it always to be an entrepreneur or did you have that path? Like we all wanted to be something, but we all went in a different direction. No, I don't think I really knew for sure. That's a good question, Alex. I don't really know that I knew for sure that I would want it to be an entrepreneur until I actually worked my first job out of college and realized I hated it. I just working for other people, you know, uh, I, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy the people I was working for. So I think for me, that was really the point where I said, you know what, this is, I'm going to try and take the advice that my father gave me, as I mentioned a couple minutes ago, and see if I can make something of it. So it was really, that kind of was the turning point. I think I've said that to people before that if that first job I had wasn't as brutal as it was and as terrible. I don't know that I'd be doing what I'm doing today. I really don't. Think that definitely plays a point because I remember my first job out of college and it sounded good but then when you're from the outside and then they get you in and then you're like I made a mistake and I just don't want to do that um it's kind of like summarize it it was a pyramid pyramid scheme in a way and those yeah. those companies just like you're like get me out of here so and then I went in a completely different direction but Talk about why did you pick the college that you went to? A lot of us always have that dream college. And we talk about the dream job, dream colleges, because it kind of plays in a path for people's rise to the challenge. What brought you to your college that you went to? Well, it's weird. It's weird. I didn't there. Uh, so... Uh, Boston universities, but it was the school that, uh, you know, I, I didn't think I was going to get into. And when I got into it, um, I, my parents made me go up, take a four hour drive and look at it. And I didn't even want to do it because I had my mindset on another university that I'd already actually gone to admitted students day for. And when I went up and I, and I saw Boston university and the campus, and then I should probably use the term campus lightly because it's in the middle of the city. <laughs> I realized it was actually really cool to be 18 years old and have a subway stop literally at your door, be in the middle of a city where Taco Bell and Domino's is open at 2 a.m. and you could order those sort of things. And so, you know, I really fell in love with it because I think it was cool to be in the city. Now, my age now living in the city has no appeal to me, but I think back then at that point in my life, it was the right call and I, I enjoyed every minute of it. Were you always thinking of when your parents brought you and you were mentioning places open late at night, did you kind of have that, oh, this might be a fun town now to be in because I can party and stuff or your parents are probably like, no, this is a serious college that you need to focus on? Um, I think it probably was a mix of both. I mean, I, I, I always went to class, you know, I did my work. I mean, I was, ne I was never like, I had a roommate up there who was one of those kids that we all hate in a way that never had to study East every exam just was like, <laughs> it, it was never me. So I always had to study, but I had fun up there. You know, I think being in Boston, partying is a part of college, but it's not the only thing. I mean, you have so many options being in a city like that. Uh, you know, I'm, as I mentioned, I'm in sports. So we would go to Red Sox games all the time. I mean, I'm not a Red Sox fan, but we would go to Red Sox games all the time. We would go to Bruins games. There were so many things to do because you were in the city and it would be the sort of thing on a Tuesday night at 530. You don't want to eat the dining hall food. You get on the subway and you go to Chinatown in Boston. I mean, it's like you had a million different options that you could do. And that was really, really cool. 
did you kind of have any challenges in college or were you able to take it on easily? Uh, the academics, uh, I think, was certainly a challenge in the beginning. Um, I think high school kind of um, prepares you, but it doesn't prepare you fully. Uh, you have to make a lot of adjustments that you kind of have to learn on the fly. And freshman year for me certainly was a struggle in a sense. Um, but uh, I eventually got it. I think, you know, you kind of learn your way and you get better uh, each semester up there uh, with what you need to do academically. But it certainly in the beginning was a challenge. I mean, I remember, Alex, before I went up there, we were about to move in. The college I was in sent books to read. And I said, what is this? We just go and start yet. What do you think? We're going to read books? But that's how it works up there. Oh, man. You talked about entering at a PR firm. What kind of, did you feel college prepared you to take on that internship? Um, yes, that it definitely did. Um, uh, the internship that I did was at a, I think I mentioned a public relations firm. So I did take it that, at that summer when I got to the internship, I had already taken some public relations courses, which I think was helpful actually. Yes. Because there were some terminologies that you learn in, let's say like PR 101 that they expect you to know in, in a in building because they use the term of all day. And, uh, that, that was definitely helpful. So yes, the, the classwork public relations before going into the internship was definitely helpful. What is the biggest thing you learned about yourself working at that PR firm? Uh, I'll tell you, it was a wake-up call of, of the responsibility of life. I had to take a uh, commuter rail at, at 20 every day. I had to um, set my alarm for 6.30 in the morning to catch the train, which at 20 years old, you're not up at 6.30 in the morning that often. So it was a wake-up call of what the real world was like. Now, thankfully for me, it was a two-month wake-up call, and then I went back to Boston, and I got to go back to a much more relaxed life. But it certainly was a wake-up call of what was waiting after graduation in the real world. Was it kind of a wake-up call that I don't want to go into this field of PR, or you wanted to do something else? No, yeah, actually, you got it. It was a wake-up call in a way I didn't want to do PR. But, you know, what? you learn certain things in a classroom, and uh, there are certain things you can't really learn until you do it in real life. And that summer, I learned that PR was not really what I wanted to do. I did a little bit of a shift in my major after that summer. Uh, going into that summer, I was a strict uh, public relations major, is what I wanted to do. And then when I learned that I didn't want to do that without, you know, complicating my college academics and having to be there extra years, I did a little bit of a shift and became a mass comm major, which still included PR, but it was more the advertising and marketing as well. Um, so yes, that was a good lesson that I learned, which is probably not the lesson they, that most interns learn, but it was that this was not really what I wanted to do. I think that's always been a big conversation now where kids or students basically try to figure out what they learn in college is actually what happens in the real world job. And I have always noticed it's completely opposite because <laughs> You keep, there's always things that you can learn during your position, but you never get told about it in college. And I was always, put me out there and I will learn it myself. Like, I, I will show you that I can do this. And I was a sports management major. And a lot of times we learn these like techniques and stuff. And I can't even remember what I learned in college. That's as bad as it is. Um, but when you go to work for a, a team, 
they don't know anything like that. They don't do anything. You're more in the game and stuff. So I, it's always that conversation. I always tell people, you got to try as many different things because you never know what's going to happen when you get out there in the real world. Very, very true. Going to that first job, what was your mindset going? Because we talked about it earlier that that was the job that basically changed your career path. But what were you doing and what each day, why was it getting worse on why you wanted to leave? Well, you know, I graduated, so I'll, I'll give you my age. Uh, I graduated in 2002. So graduating in 2002 was a challenging time because the world just went, and the country it just went through 9-11. And being in the Northeast, living in Boston, and being from New Jersey, both those areas were hard hit. So um, trying to find a job was very difficult. My, my goal actually was to stay in Boston. But I couldn't get a uh, job by August 31st when my lease was up. So I had no choice but to move back home. Uh, it took five or six months and I finally got a, a marketing job. Um, and I remember vividly going to work the first day on a Monday. It was actually the Monday after Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, the uh, Buccaneers who are in the Super Bowl now were in the Super Bowl that year. They beat the Oakland Raiders. And the day after Super Bowl, you know, I got in a you know, kind of nice shirt like I have on today. And I remember driving there and thinking to myself, wow, like this is the first day of my career. I came home. I don't know if I ever told my mother this story. I got home the first day of work. And I remember like waiting at the door so anxious to hear, you know, how, how my first day of work in the real world was. But for me, what didn't really work about it was I was working with um, some difficult people in the group. I was kind of forewarned about it early on. And it got to a point which was very difficult. I mean, I this was a Monday through Friday job, you know, 9 to 5, 5.30 and all that stuff. There were a 1,000 people in the building. Well, these people were giving me so much additional work that they should be doing that they wanted me to do for them that I was going in on the weekends. And I was the only one out of a 1,000 people in a three-story building that had to be in. I mean, it was just awful. So I handed in my, uh, you know, two weeks notice, um, about six, no, about seven months into my job, and I, I caught them off guard. They thought that, uh, you know, I could stay and they wanted me to stay. They offered to promote me to, you know, the next level up or whatever the heck that was. But at that point, I had made up my mind that this was just really not for me. I mean, I was miserable. Did you ever thought about talking to someone there and seeing if it could change, or was it just hard because your boss was doing all these things to you and? You just did not feel that this was the right place for you. And you knew that there was something better out there. You know what? That's a, I think when you're 23, you're a little bit scared to talk to someone above your boss. I think that probably, when I look back, was part of it. Um, because I could have spoken to him about it, um, but it would have never changed. And I wasn't going to go be this 23-year-old kid and go to some vice president's office, and they don't even know who I am, and say, hey, you know, <laughs> this person is not, not being fair to me. So... Um, it just, it, it just didn't work out. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I stayed in touch with, I still stay in touch with people there occasionally, including that person that I talk about, but, um, it's, you know, they're, they're, it's, I have no hard feelings. I mean, look at, at the end of the day, it kind of helped pave the path for where I am now, but, um, I never spoke to anyone. I just never would have changed. When you're looking back at when they asked if you want a promotion or keeping you, did you kind of ever thought that maybe I should stay and see, give them a second chance? Or 
you're just enough is enough. Yeah, no, I, I was checked out. You know, they took me, I gave my two weeks notice on a Monday. Uh, and the next day they took me out to lunch to try to convince me to stay. And it doesn't matter if they gave me filet mignon and lobster that day. <laughs> I, I wasn't, I wasn't staying. I, I, in my mind at that point, I was so entirely checked out um, that I stayed and I did my two weeks and I helped train the person that was taking my role, you know, all that stuff. But there was nothing that could have been, I mean, look, they offered me a promotion and they said things would change and I never even considered it. I think that's definitely a mental health thing. I think people kind of just want to stay in those positions just because they don't want to have to go search for a job, but you always have to do what's best for you at any time. If you feel that this is the right decision for you, you have to do it. You can't have regrets nowadays. You got to take on all opportunities and it showed that you did that and you just didn't want to be in that position and everything happens for a reason and you're at a place that you are happy to be at right now. Yeah, and the mental health thing is a good point. The So I gave my two weeks notice on a Monday as I told you, well, that Friday night, three days prior, I was at an Italian restaurant with my parents and my parents noticed how miserable I was. You know, I just finished a week of work. It was Friday at six o'clock and they were saying, look, you know, I don't know, I don't know how you can live like this. And I think that dinner and that conversation was a big um, kind of kick for me that I needed on Monday to be like enough is enough. This is just not for me. During this time, were your parents very supportive on the path that you were taking? Uh, yes, very. At the time, I was living at home. So, you know, they had to deal with me. Um, so they probably wanted me working. So I was out of the house. But um, no, they were uh, they were incredibly supportive back then. They always have been, actually. And I wouldn't even say that they were even more supportive at that time. They've just always been supportive. But definitely at that time, uh, it was good to have that support because it was, <laughs> it was not, not fun working over there. After leaving that company, what was next for you? You know, I left, um, and this was what kind of threw them all for a loop. I left without anywhere to go, right? So they all thought when I was handing in my two weeks, well, he got an offer to go here. He got, he, you know, to do this, but I didn't. I mean, I literally, when I walked out the door on that Friday for the last time and handed in my ID and all that stuff, I had nowhere to go at all. So um, as I said, that, that experience for me was big on kind of opening it up that I was going to do my own thing. So I knew I was going to try to attempt to do my own thing. I just, at that point, really wasn't sure what it was. And uh, eventually, obviously, found what I'm doing now. So talk about that company that you work with right now. So the barbecue cleaner, uh, you know, man, life takes you in crazy directions. Um, you know, I graduated BU with a communication degree and I, I started a business in 2005. The only re the reason I started this business is I had left this company that I talked about with nothing to do and was, you know, trying to find opportunities. And, and it came on my radar that there was a company in the United Kingdom uh, that was doing a similar concept over there, over there. Well, Back 17 years ago, the internet wasn't what it is now. So you can't, you couldn't really get the pertinent information that you could easily find right now on Google. The only way to do that, right, is to meet with the company. Well, my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, had invited me two months um, later to go to Cancun with her family for the holidays. So I had coincidentally just gotten a passport and I had nothing to do. And I had never been to England. So I uh, went on a plane, met with uh, the parent company over in England, who's known as Avenue. 
And uh, the founder had said to us, look, you know what? We've had a ton of success everywhere we've gone. We haven't touched the United States. And the reason we haven't touched the United States, and I vividly remember him saying this, is, look, we're a small island country over here. We can't manage the United States from here. You know, I, I can't look on a map and tell you where Missouri is in rel- you know, relative to Illinois. So we decided to do a six-month pilot test where we, uh, you know, would try the concept here in the United States, uh, this oven cleaning concept, if you will. Um, and because it was a pilot test, uh, we didn't have long-term contractual obligations. So if it didn't work out, it would be very easy to go a different direction or say, hey, you know what, thanks for, you know, the help, but it just didn't work. And about two months into the pilot test became March, which in the Northeast where I am is when the seasons kind of turn and people, you know, start to get a little bit happy that snow is starting to end. And I would be on these uh, appointments helping people clean ovens. And they would say to me all, all the time, hey, can you do my grill when you're here? Can you clean my barbecue? I really could use that done. And I said, no. I said, it's not what we do. We're an oven cleaning company. But it got to a point where so many people were asking that uh, I said, you know what, well, let's see if we can adapt the system that we have to, to do that. And thankfully for us, the adaptations that were necessary were very minimal. And we ran, we ran one ad, the first ad that we ever ran, dropped on a Tuesday night in a local paper uh, around here and to, to 10,000 homes, 10,000 households. And the next morning on that Wednesday, I never got off the phone because people kept calling left and right. And that was how it started. So this company yeah. that started, was it a franchise model where they kind of franchise it to other countries and then you just take on that role and you're kind of like a sales rep for them in a way? Or how was that model? Kind of. It, it, it's, it's kind of like that. Um, so I, I, we take this system now in the United States and, and we sell it. Uh, it. The model's a little bit different in the United Kingdom. It's, uh, it is a strict uh, franchise model, you know, by definition. Here we do it more as, under, as a business opportunity. So uh, it was really a nice advantage for people in that, you know, they're not paying us 7% of their net sales or 2% of their sales to, you know, national advertising and all that. You know, they're keeping all that they make. So um, the agreement with, with the UK is, yeah, I mean, we've taken their system and, and helped make it explode here in the United States. So talk about how you're helping the future with your business model. Well, we've been fortunate, as I said, I mean, I lived, you know, I had always had the entrepreneurial dream uh, and I was fortunate to live it for myself, but even more so, I think more rewarding is that I've helped, you know, over 235 other people live it themselves, uh, where we've expanded to and it keeps growing every year. So, you know, we're helping the future every year. We have uh, new locations opening up, which really means it's it's people starting their own business, which I think is great. And then we also really, with the future, all of our uh, locations, including our parent locations in Northern New Jersey, keep helping people because we, we serve them every year. They come back year after year because they're happy clients. So. Um, we've been uh, incredibly fortunate and incredibly blessed as well. What challenges have you seen with this company and how were you able to overcome those and rise to the challenge? You know, the biggest challenge I think that we had uh, when we started offering this in 2009 as, a, as a, a franchise, or not a franchise, but a business opportunity where people start from business. You know, at that point, we had had a lot of people uh, inquire with us and say, hey, I live in Phoenix, I live in, in, in Los Angeles, wherever it may be, 
how do I do what you're doing here? And we turned them down because we didn't feel comfortable and confident yet that we knew exactly what we needed to do uh, to show them that they could replicate the success. And I think once we started that out, the challenge that we found was getting the name out for these people in the local markets that, hey, this type of service not only exists, but it also exists now in your backyard and it's open. And I think what we've done is we've made a lot of changes in the last 12 years, particularly in the last four, with kind of our um, introductory marketing arsenal of pack, if you will, uh, for our operators, where now we've kind of got it down to, hey, you know what, when you're opening up, this is exactly what you need to do to uh, get people calling you. And that, that was a challenge in the beginning, uh, but it's certainly one that we have <laughs> done very well with when you look at the level of success that our locations are having. Being a MassCon major, when you were starting at PR, what tools have you taken from that industry that has helped you in what you're doing now? You know what? It's a very a broad term I would use, which is communication. Communication with people is so freaking important. I mean, it is. I mean, you got to be able to talk to clients and know know what to say. Kind of, you know, get get them to gain a level of trust in you. I think is is so important. And a lot of that, you know, look, I, I don't know that when you're living your college life, you realize you're getting that aspect of education. And I think it needs to be mastered in the real world. I think you have to. You can't just at it from the school you have to go out and use it in real life but i do think that uh you know college did give me kind of the uh elementary building blocks if you will um of how to talk to people in the different various ways to communicate do you feel you have more confidence now than you did previously at other jobs yes definitely definitely yes so what have you been able to do also while you're working this entrepreneur lifestyle? Well, I, I do a lot. Um, you know, I have, as, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm married. I have two kids, uh, nine and seven. So I'm involved in their life. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, coronavirus has kind of limited a lot of the activities that they could do lately. Um, but, you know, in a normal world, I'm certainly involved in a lot of their activities, whether it's their sports or uh, going to the lunchroom and volunteering, serving lunch for an hour, which, by the way, you need an Advil for once you get out of that. Um, so, you know, I've been involved with that. Um, I, I, I did coach before I had kids. I coached high school hockey, which I loved. Um, and then recently uh, started refereeing, you know, youth hockey as well. So I'm, I'm busy. I mean, I'm always doing something. The podcast I know you talked about before is something that I do. It's a weekly show. So that um, takes takes up some time. As you know, you have to prepare for it. You think that you can just walk into the chair every week and think it's going to just flow naturally, but it doesn't. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, I certainly stay busy aside from work as well. With your podcast show, what's the theme around it? And what do you kind of want to tell your listener or people listening to it? What do they want to get out of it? Well, the podcast, is, it, it's, it's been fun. Um, you know, we just started it about six months ago, Mind Your Pucking Business. Um, so as you can tell by the name, there's a lot of hockey theme to it, uh, pucking business. Um, so we do, a lot of, we do a lot of hockey talk, but we do some small business stuff. I do kind of try and get some entrepreneurial feel into it. We do talk about um, sports as a whole, like the NFL, being that's the NFL season. You know, we're doing, you know, five bets a week and all that stuff. Who to bet on? And thankfully, we had a winning year. Or people have been knocking at my door. 
so, uh, you know, the, the podcast is a lot of fun. Every show is different. We usually have a guest on every week. Um, so you never really know what you're going to get with us. Um, and the feedback on it's been great. I mean, we've had people emailing in questions. <laughs> Some of them I have to look up the answers for because I have no idea. I admit. <laughs> um, but uh, it's been it's been fun. And they can always, you know, tapes once a week. Uh, it airs live on camera on Facebook and YouTube, and then is available on iTunes and Spotify, usually about three or four days later. Did you ever thought that you were going to be doing a podcast growing up where the opportunity just came out of nowhere and it was the perfect timing for it? No, the, the opportunity, actually, I never thought I would. The opportunity came, uh, the, the story is, so it, with the barbecue cleaner, I've been fortunate to do, uh, you know, interviews and stuff before um in the barbecue world and there is a podcast out there i highly recommend it called tailgate radio excellent show run by a guy named john larger down in san antonio and he'd had me on his show to talk about the business well it ended up in our discussions off camera well i need a, i need someone to come on and talk hockey we're getting these hockey questions from canada and i'm in texas i don't know what i'm doing so i would go on maybe a few times a year, like we would do like a, a playoff preview show. We would do a season preview show. Very minimal work, right? Over the summer last year, I had a client that I was with and I was telling her the story and she said, well, I got a guy for you. You would have a great show. Uh, I'm going to put you in touch with him. I said, all right, you know, whatever. And I completely forgot about it. Like it was on my phone and all that stuff. Months later, I reached out to the guy uh, Dougie Sticks, who does the show with me, uh, with it through a company called Undefeated Media, and it just ended up being a, a match, and we've given it a shot. But it's been fun. I don't know that I ever thought I would be doing it. As you know, it's challenging. It's every week you've got to have, you know, content. You got to have a guest, and there are some weeks that there's just not a lot going on. Like this week for us, we do have a lot of NFL stuff. Yes, the Super Bowl is coming up, but we have two weeks. So if we if we if we blow out the Super Bowl talk this week, we've got an empty week next week. Now, thankfully, we have hockey back, but um, it is it is a lot of work for sure. The, the amount of prep work that I do on Monday nights, the night before we tape, is way more than I ever would have thought imaginable. Oh yeah, and I, I definitely know the feeling of taping an episode, getting it out there, the marketing, and all that. And I kind of view as the stuff that I did in college kind of helped me with this in a way because I'm so I'm so creative in a way. And that was the part that I kind of had to expand on in college. And this opportunity for me came out of nowhere due to the virus that's happening. But it's been the best experience ever. I mean, I, I get to talk to so many amazing people and learn. And that's that's the part that I get out of it is learning about every guest that I have. And knowing their story, because we all have a story and how we're rising to the challenge right now. So what does the future look like for you? What are you hoping to accomplish in the next few years? Uh, I think it's really continuing the growth of the, of the barbecue cleaner. As I said, I mean, we've been very, very lucky. <clears throat> we're fortunate that we grow every year um even you know in a, in a pandemic uh we had a you know we had a very good year i think all things considered um so we've been fortunate and it's continued to help that and help uh you know continue to let other people live their entrepreneurial dreams and start their own business which always gets people excited understandably and uh helping people reach that goal 
do you ever have that itch to try another product or go into a different product line? Um, no, I get asked about it a lot. Uh, you're not the first person that's, that I've, that's actually asked me, uh, but no, I, I'm very content with what I'm doing here. I always say to people that, you know, the best aspect of what I do is the fact that, you know, the amount of time I get to spend with my kids because I'm making my own boss and, and I'm setting my own schedule. So, you know, if I, if I threw on another hat, another major hat that I had to wear, it would be pretty difficult to do that. I'm pretty content now. I've got a good, good work-life balance. I'm not really looking at the whole thing at the moment. For someone that's listening to this interview, based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give someone to overcome challenges, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? Um, look, my senior, my quote, my senior year of high school um, in the yearbook, uh, which I which I made up, was if you don't believe in yourself, you don't believe in anything. I've always kind of stood by that. You got to believe in yourself, whatever path you're going to take. You're going to have a hard time getting to the finish line you're trying to get to if you don't have a belief in yourself that you can do that. So I certainly encourage people to believe in yourself. Um, it, it's, it's, it's critical, right? I mean, you, you need to do that. Um, and, and keep working. Try hard. You know what? If you fail at something, get up and try again. You know, sometimes failure can be a good thing. You know, that first job for me, as we talked about, could be described as a failure. But because of that failure, it led to other things. So don't be afraid to fail. Try, 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 try. Well, Jeffrey, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. We all definitely learned so much about you and your journey, and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me, and uh, keep up the great work with the show. It's great. Great stuff. Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms, and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the full-length episode in video format. What path will you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.